Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast on the RPC Podcast Network. This is Kiona, your host, and with me are... Hello, I am Josh. And this is Crystal. And this is Mike. Alright guys, so we are back here. It's the four among us, as I call us, um, which was inspired by Hickman's X-Men comic books now. <laughs> um <laughs> Anyway, so we're just going to kind of do this one off the cuff and just talk about some topics that are currently going on happening in this crazy world, which is just, I don't know, things are going off the rails, man. Like I've, I've been reading in like Hollywood Reporter says that this is the first weekend that the box office basically hit zero. Um, they, they had no real profit, uh, according to one of their reporters, um, which is pretty nuts. That is horrifying. <laughs> like, I just felt my blood stand still for a second. I know, man. It's crazy. I don't even, I don't understand it. Um, so they're just looking for some revenue, I guess, from this, from the movies on demand and movies on digital marketplaces. Um, I know I pre-ordered Birds of Prey and Bloodshot just because I'm a comic book movie guy. So looking forward to that. Um, I know I like one of them and I don't know if I'm going to like the other one. We'll see. Uh, guys, did you pre-order any movies, or are you going to watch any of the early release movies? I haven't pre-ordered anything yet, but the one the one I want to check out, like as as soon as I can, is Bloodshot. Um, that that was supposed to be the last movie that I saw that I, I saw in theaters, but I like I bought a ticket for it and everything, but then that that day I decided against it once um what once the government declared a national emergency that's like that's <laughs> decided you know what i'm good <laughs> you know i'm sorry vin diesel but i value safety over your box office <laughs> <laughs> that being said I, I, I feel i feel a little bad though because this is this is valiant's first like major um like major feature film and it kind of sucks that it came out around this time i was gonna say it's valiant's like opening salvo in terms of building their own cinematic universe and man that's just that's bad timing (laughs) but you know valiant has some great properties like i i really would like to see like a harbinger movie and i would love to see like a ninjack movie and like they they have a lot like they have exo manowar they have the eternal warrior they could do a lot with their properties well, I, I, I really don't know a lot of Valiant. I, I only know very little from the Comic Tropes episode on Jim Shooter. And I know he basically propped up a lot of Valiant, like with, with, the, with the superheroes and everything. Yeah. Well, well, how would you describe, how would you sell me on those characters? Like, how, well, what are they? As, as far as I know, okay, because I'm not overly familiar, I know the characters by name, and I know, like, I, I read some of the Harbinger books, which are really interesting. It's basically these kids that have, like, mental powers, like telepathy, and some have telekinesis. And um, they go against this guy who is, like, the head of a multinational corporation. His name is Toyo Harada in the recent comics that I read. And it's very interesting because you have these two like mega level telepaths just basically fighting each other. Um, and Toyo Harada just kind of wants to reshape the world in his image. 
and he wants to like like solve world hunger and solve like diseases and everything like that. So he would be a cool guy to have around right now, even though he's kind of amoral. But um, so it's anyway, like Harbinger's Harbinger's it's a lot like X Men, but it's it's cool. I like it. It's kind of a new take on it. Um, it's a little more edgy. Um, and then you have like Eternal Warrior, which is more of like a Conan style type of story from what I've seen. I haven't really read it, so hmm. it's a bit difficult to put into words for me. But I think that like, yeah, let me look it up real quick here. Eternal Warrior Valiant. I, I could see. see something like I could see something like Harbinger really striking a chord, especially with like a young adult kind of audience, just kind of the, the, the same yeah. like it, it could attract like the same people that came for stuff like Divergent, but in a more I'd say in a yeah. more uh, uh, open manner than those, which is very aggressively for the teen demographic. So this this Eternal Warrior guy is like an immortal, and he is a geomancer, like a mystic who's in tune with the voice of the planet. Now that sounds fascinating. That sounds cool. So he's actually a lot better than Conan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you also have Ninjack, which is another one. Ninjack. Yeah, that was, let's see here. Joe Casado was the co-creator. Oh. So that was before he became like the, you know, the publisher of Marvel. Depending, Marvel. On, depending on who people talk to, it was either a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. All I know is that he had his band do like Christmas songs for a while there. I don't know if you guys remember that. I vaguely that remember cool. that. He I enjoyed did that. Christmas songs? Christmas songs, man. His band used to do like like they wanted comics for Christmas and stuff, and it was like full <laughs> on like he would do like an Elvis Presley impersonation. It was all on Newsarama back in the day when Newsarama was actually a good website. Huh. So Ninjack is about a guy named Colin King, and he's the wealthy son of a master spy who was employed by the British government. King was raised in the Orient, but was an outcast in that society. And when his father was killed by rival agent Iwatsu, King decided to go into training, determined to continue his father's tradition and bring his killers to justice. Now a master of the secret arts of the ninja, he serves England and the world as Ninjack. This sounds like it would be so much fun as an over the top <laughs> kind of uh, kind of kind of kind of like a Kingsman. You, you need a director like I either Gareth that. Evans or Chad Stahelski to, you know, oh yeah, God, this yeah, one yeah. Up. yeah, get the John Wick guys or yeah, yeah. Or, 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 or hell, yeah, just get Matthew Vaughn back. That'd be cool. And any any one of those choices would would be perfect. Yeah, I, I I even say it. I think Guy Ritchie would have a lot of fun too. U.S. and I England think so. Ninjas. I think so. Yeah, Guy Ritchie could do one. He he could do that. I still need to see the gentleman. Uh... So I mean, that's just that's a that's a couple of the offerings that they have. I mean. Valiant has a cool universe, man. They they really should. I mean, I would hope that 
maybe somehow we see more properties from them. But... Mm. Well, if there's any solace... Um, I know the, the two directors lately came out with uh, with articles about... a. Uh, you know, about the state of movies and just in general, just kind of talking about the, you know, the, 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 the coronavirus, uh, mm-hmm. Edgar Wright and, uh, Christopher Nolan. And yeah. Two, two people who you'd expect to have something to say about, about the state of the movie going experience. Yeah. You know, that basically movie theaters have a bad signal, up on their up on their rooftops but instead of bats it's just you know christopher nolan's name on there and wherever he where wherever they call he comes he i hear he's even planning on releasing tenet like for home viewing but the way he's going about it, he's just going to go to your house and just install an imax (laughs) theater be like here now watch my movie (laughs) but uh nolan talked about you know with everything going on, you know, movie theaters need our support now more than ever. Support. They're saying like, you know, buy gift cards or whatever. So that way you keep them in business. But also, you know, movie theaters should start like incentivizing, you know, like people coming to the movies through ticket discounts. I mean, I guess if you prepay for tickets, but what movie theater is open now? All the chains are closed. Like it's stuff to consider when they come back. And Edgar Wright brought up a real yeah. good point about why we're probably going to see a boom in movie theater attendance. Definitely, I can see that. I, I, I can see that happening. I don't remember his exact words, but it was something along the lines of, you know, at the end of all this, with everybody staying home and being forced to go through their whole backlog of movies they haven't seen on Netflix yet, you know. You, it's not. It seems very unlikely that you're going to get people that will say, "Eh, I'll just watch it at home." They're going to be more. They're going to be looking for more reasons to want to go out. Yeah, especially after being cooped up for so long. And I think so too. Take anything, and it may not be the best time for for movies like this, but we're going to see probably like little things blow up and we're probably gonna see people going to movies they won't they wouldn't normally go to see i mean drive-ins are doing pretty well drive-ins doing pretty well from that article yeah yeah the only thing is that it kind of doesn't apply to us because the only drive-in theater we have here in el paso is um adults only (laughs) ah for some reason I've I've genuinely debated going over there and just talking to the owner, being like, you know, can I just hijack it for one day? You know, <laughs> instead of playing Indiana Bones, can we just play Indiana Jones? Which it's... I don't understand how that place is still open. Instead of who banged Roger Rabbit, can we play who framed Roger Rabbit? Okay, I'm done. I'm. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know who banged Roger Rabbit. Sounds pretty interesting. <laughs> Indiana Bones. Sounds like he's just going on a dig for bones right now. It, that's just the, all he's doing. The bony one Kenobi. Oh my god! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Seriously though, how wow. is that place still running? And I have. I, it's out in the middle of nowhere too. <laughs> 
they all have those little holes in the wall kind of places where you just pass them by and you think there's only one car there. How do they afford to keep the lights on? No comments. <laughs> Blood, Bloodshot, though, like, it could... I can see it probably getting, like, a really high rental. Like, like, like at least doing really well on demand. Yeah. Hopefully it... I don't know, have, have any reviews come out for it? They had reviews for it, I think. But it, um... Not not very good reviews. Uh, yeah, I yeah. Less I checked, I think it was at like forty something 40? percent yeah. around tomatoes. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking it up because now I'm way too curious. Come on, Vin Diesel, you haven't failed me now. Oh great! Due to the coronavirus, actual show times may differ. All these are in Juarez. Oh, thanks, Google. Thanks a lot. Oh, you you guys were on the right track. It, it's at 30. Oh. Oh, wow. That's even worse than we thought. Wait, whatever happened to that movie about... Shoot, what's... This is the... The vampire movie that was coming out. Do you remember the trailers? Which one? I don't. Morbius? Yeah, Morbius. Morbius. Maybe Probably Jared Leto. Back. Maybe Jared Leto's gonna play it to his uh, to his cultists. <laughs> Tell me you heard about that, Crystal. No. Yeah. What? Um. Yeah. This, this is. Okay. Hold on to your hold on to your to your ears, Crystal. Oh no! Here I go. Every, every everything about this Jared Leto cult is weird. Like appa- apparently he only found out about the coronavirus like last week. <laughs> what? Because he because he spent like all this time on his own his own like private island or something. Yeah, he's got an island. <laughs> he has a cult now. Yeah. He's got a cult. I thought he was just doing it as like a cleanse or something. <laughs> <laughs> Did he start it or was it like a fan club thing that just kind of kind of got out of hand? Leto didn't start the fire, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of creepy how him and Charles Manson are starting to have some similarities. Oh no. That's uh I mean, both were involved Yikes. in music, oh, God. and They're now like, they've got a group of people following their word. There's like a YouTube video that's called, What is the Echelon? Aw, <laughs> oh, dude, come on, man. I even liked your Joker, and you're just doing this now? You're okay, so crazy, here's, here, here's the tweet um, that he put out. Um, oh. about a week ago. Yeah. Wow. wow. I see. It. Twelve days ago, I began a silent meditation in the desert. We were totally isolated. No phone. No communication, etc. We had no idea what was happening outside the facility. Walked out yesterday to a, into a very different world, one that's been changed forever. Mind blowing, to say the least. I'm getting messages from friends and family all around the globe and catching up on what's going on. Uh, and then it just ends with hope you and yours are okay. Sending positive energy to all. Stay inside. Stay safe. Yeah. So 
I mean, that sounded relatively normal, but this dude is like, okay, so 30 Seconds to Mars apparently charges $900 for meet and greets? What? What? <laughs> that, oh my that's, God. that's ridiculous. That's like, the that's more than my rent. The last time I listened to 30 Seconds to Mars was when I was 11, okay? <laughs> I mean, I like them. I like them as a band. I like their music for the most part. It's not, not like the much. best music ever. I but I, I, mean, I like I their like catalog pre two thousand thirteen. Yeah, like pre two thousand thirteen. Okay. Like yeah. a be- like I a beautiful lie. I think is where they peaked. I think so too. Yeah, like their first maybe two or three albums was really good. Were really good. It's interesting you say 2013 because 2013 was the same year that Man of Steel was released, directed by Zack Snyder. And Zack Snyder was appointed to do the DC Cinematic Universe. And Zack Snyder approved of spinoffs, including a spinoff to the sequel of his sequel to Man of Steel, which was Batman v Superman. And in that spinoff, Ben Affleck, who starred in Zack Snyder's movie, was in the Suicide Squad, which had Jared Leto. Ergo, I don't know where this was going. But the point is, Jared Leto ruined point is there's Justice League. You guys just wait until you hear his conspiracy theories about the Cars universe. Okay, you know what? There's so much to learn. Okay. There is absolutely the Geniuses nothing. at Pixar were operating on a higher level when they invented Kachow and Lightning McQueen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Wait, I Josh, I do, have, I do have to ask, do you uh, believe in the Pixar theory? That all the movies are connected? Yeah. A little. A little, and Toy Story 4 confirmed all my suspicions. <laughs> they threw everything in the kitchen sink into Toy Story 4. If you want a logistic reason, I'd say just because they're they're a company and the way they 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 create a movie pretty much every year, they kind of have to reuse a lot of their assets, so it makes it seem like everything's connected. But if you want my optimistic theory, they sit down with the writers and just say, "Listen, this connects to Toy Story. This is a movie about dinosaurs. It connects." No matter what. <laughs> the Good Dinosaur and Ratatouille are spiritual sequels, okay? What about Up? It out. Up? Up is basically the spinoff of A Bug's Life. Hmm. Never thought of it that way. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> but checks I, out as, but I, I not as much as Jared it. Little with a cult. <laughs> I, I, I can still see it though with the uh, with little things like it, they're they're being cute, but it's it's always fun to speculate with that. Like with the uh, Monsters Inc., uh, Randall ends up at the same trailer park, like like the same uh, 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 trailer house that uh, a Bug's Life City takes place in. Yeah, but then again, it's it's it really is. They I mean they use uh, um like. 3D animation, but so it, they have to. They do have to reuse a lot of. But assets. it's so much fun, though. Like it. Yeah. There, there's always a term being like, "Oh, I remember that." Yeah. And then Brad Bird comes along. He's like, "No, I'm not going to include the Pizza Planet car oh. in Incredibles. I'm an <laughs> artist." 
Like it's, it's not until now that I'm realizing the limitations of 3D animation. Uh, uh, after watching that video, uh, what's what's the YouTuber's name? Which one for the uh, comparison of the 2003 to the to the 2012 Ninja Turtles? Series? Oh, Godzilla Mendoza. Yeah, he did a a video comparing the two series of the of the animated TMNT series, and it was actually really interesting seeing how because I'm I'm a huge 2012 Ninja Turtle fan. I love the series, but he made a point of saying that they they didn't really do a lot with the animation. They didn't go into crazy. Um, like crazy new environments very often. I think it only happened like three times because there was a huge limitation with the 3D animation. While in the 2003 series, every episode was like something wacky crazy because of the freedom of 2D animation. So, to be, to be fair, that's it's also on a like a TV budget. Um... Yeah, but both were on a TV TV budget, but. When it comes to Pixar, yeah, they, they they can get away with a lot more. Definitely. Well, when the mouse is writing the checks, you know they get away with a lot. But <laughs> it's, you know, it's very interesting because animation is at once a very freeing uh, art form. But at the same time, it's also the most restricting. Like, just, in, just in the sense, with, with 2D animation... You know, the sky's the limit with what you can create, but you're limited to this 2D environment. You know, Mm -hmm. you only go up, down, left, right. And you can make it go, like, go in the distance, but it's just more how much you're able to get away with. And with 3D animation, yeah, you can do whatever you want. It's just about crafting it. But as a result... It takes a lot more work. not, Not that. I just think it takes... It kind of takes away the 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 quirkiness of two D animation. Yeah, that's that's why I like this recent trend of like three D animated films, like borrowing elements from two D animation, like character design and like like the way they move. Oh, like uh, Spider Verse. Yeah, that kind of animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really liking this new. This new way, yeah, I like that. Like stuff like uh, Spider Verse, the uh, Claws, and uh, the Peanuts movie, which never gets mentioned. I I love the Peanuts should. movie so much. I, I I had a very emotional experience with the Peanuts movie. It was it was, it was a junior year, and I really wanted a job, and I walked all the way from my high school to my nearby movie theater desperately asking if they had an application and I filled it out and then I watched the Peanuts movie and it just it, it gave me that little bit of like hope like oh I think I can get it and even if I don't it's and okay never got hired <laughs> you know I was trying to make it up <laughs> <laughs> so Josh uh, Ryan Johnson's website has a script for Knives Out Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I, it's funny because I did get to read the script before I watched Knives Out. Oh, okay. I would say it. I would say it, it kind of robbed me of like the surprise of going in, but 
it, yeah. it, it's a tradition I have with every move with a movie every year. I get to read the script before I watch it. Hmm. And um it was very interesting because even while reading the script, I was just going, no. Oh, no way. And I just had the biggest smile on my face, but I felt like something was missing. And I realized, like, I looked at the I looked at the Knives Out script earlier before we started recording. That's why I wasn't looking at you, Crystal. I was <laughs> on my phone. I know. Big shock. And um, I uh, I noticed, like, in the, this was the actual shooting script. Like, all the... All the deleted scenes were still in the script. Oh, interesting. It, it kind of makes me want to get the deleted scenes, like download them and splice them into the final edit. Ooh, I kind of want to see that now. H- have you seen the deleted scenes, Mike? Um, no, but I have. I um, a couple nights ago, I rewatched the movie with my family. They they all they all really liked it. And it, it was it was fun seeing the movie a second time because I got I got to I got to kind of solve the mystery while, um, like while the while the characters were you know, like while the characters were doing their investigating. So that 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 was kind of fun. It's just so good and so much fun to watch, like over and over again. It's, it's. I've called it repeatedly. This generation's Back to the Future. Just watching it you know multiple what? Yeah. times, you get I, more I can, things. I can kind of see that. And the, the the deleted scenes weren't anything big. I'm telling you right now, they weren't anything big at all. And it says something to how great the editing is with the movie that. You literally, the movie is not affected at all when you watch it and you know those deleted scenes are there. Like, one of them was, uh, they're very minor things they set up early on, like what was going on with Walt's cast. Like, it, it's just a minor throwaway line that they edited out. And when they were introducing Walt in the beginning, like, uh, Detective Elliot and Trooper Wagner looked down at his leg and he's just like, oh, yeah, bicycle accident. Uh, stupid oh. and they cut and it's right and it picks up like right where the the movie picks up sorry for the so, terrible so it's just, just kind of like um they just kind of trimmed off the fat yeah just like that and then later on like right after that it shows walt's wife going to going home and there's somebody really creepy at her doorstep and uh you know, she gets really scared. You, she's just like, "Wait, uh, uh, he paid. He, he 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 just needs a little more time. That's all." And he's approaching her, and Blanc comes out of nowhere, and you know, he's just like, "Whoa, darling, are you okay?" And <laughs> you know, he interviews her. It's the first time she ever gets interviewed in the whole movie, and she explains that Walt got in, into some trouble with some debt collectors, and you know, Blanc mm, puts two and two together. Yeah. That's why he was really banking on getting the. Uh, the, the inheritance. And in that same manner, the other deleted scene that they had was with uh, Joni, with uh, Tony Collette. A- again, it started out very minor, and it didn't even feature her in the beginning. It was um, it was right when Blanc and Elliot and, and uh, Wagner are talking over everything, when he's like, you know, now I will tell you, somebody dodged a very important question earlier. Oh, who? me and um suddenly he this is the part that was just cut you know it's like right before they're talking about well you know meg couldn't have done it and blah 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 
right before Trooper Wagner comes in, Blanc starts like like Elliot points out, like, "Oh my God, what's wrong with your neck?" And Blanc's like, "Oh my God, I I just got the strangest rash, and his neck is like purple." And just like, hmm, must have been nothing. And then later on, you know, then it picks up, and it's it's a very quick thing. It, it was easily cut. And then later on, you get a full scene with Joni. It's right before Blanc goes to meet up with Marta. I don't remember the exact placement. I just saw it quickly, but um, Joni's just by herself. And then Blanc goes in and starts saying that, you know, I don't believe that anybody would do ill intent without purpose. And you find out early on that Joni's a lifestyle guru company is bankrupt and it's bankrupt because there were reports of like skin rashes with her, with her uh, products. And he points out that he's, that he's got the rash and, you know, she gets really pissed and it leads to one line that would have been as big of a meme as the donut hole monologue. You know, she's just like, what's your goddamn point? And then he says, I don't know what happened to Harlan, Joni, but I sure hope that, uh, and I hope you do forgive my phrasing, you haven't done anything rash and then leaves. <laughs> <laughs> like, those were the only things. And even then, those little things pay off. Like, if the Joni thing stayed, it sets up early on, like, that kind of dramatic irony that, you know, she knows she's broke but Meg doesn't and she finally realizes how much how fake her mom is and with the Walt yeah. thing with uh, the debt collector the guy that co- that was at the doorstep at the very end of the movie when they're dragging ransom out of the out of the house that same guy is the police officer dragging out ransom holding him you know, so that way he won't escape. And he locks eyes with Walt's wife and she turns away like scared. Hmm. It's like a very minor thing. I don't know. This is all to say Ryan Johnson is basically a, a genius and I love Parasite, but I wish he won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would have caused a little firestorm on the interwebs. Oh, totally. What? This guy ruined Star Wars. <laughs> I, I can imagine he would have gone up there and just been like, wow. Um, thanks. Um, the Phantom Menace was my favorite one. And then he leaves. <laughs> just troll everybody. <laughs> that would be perfect. That would oh be perfect. God. Oh my God. That'd be so funny. Sorry about the long knives out tangent. Just, oh. No, man. It's all, I pl- would you say Benoit Blanc is sort of 2020's Bane? <laughs> because he has the the really iconic vocal performance. It took you like everybody insane. knows Bane, man. <laughs> everybody knows Bane, and everybody knows Benoit Blanc. <laughs> I can see it now. I I, I can see I it. didn't think of it before, but. I, 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 I see where you're coming from. <laughs> I, yeah. I could imagine my old co-workers at Walmart and I just having fun with the Benoit Blanc voice. 
<laughs> like we used to do with Bane every single time. I used to go into work and just be like, hello, Gotham. <laughs> you find out that you're, you're at Walmart and you find out that somebody's stealing. And then you look at the you look at the security footage, you see them. They're <laughs> like, the game's afoot. <laughs> Ah, the fire rises. And I, on the note of Bane, I I watched a video of like the best cartoons of best and worst cartoons of the of of so far, and um, I finally got to see some clips, more clips of Harley Quinn. Yeah, oh, yeah, their and Bane is so I found good. Out their Bane is a parody. Bane <laughs> like, is just looks, Dark Knight Rises Bane. He, he looks like normal Bane, but he talks like the Dark Knight Rises Bane. <laughs> so, that is one of the genius things, I gotta say. It's so good. And speaking of Harley Quinn, that comes back um, not this Friday, but the next Friday, April 3rd, season that's crazy. 2. It just ended. Season 1 just ended. Yeah, that's. I think this is like probably the quickest turnaround for an animated series wait it's coming back already yeah it's i i personally don't consider it season two so much as season one um part two it yeah it's kind of it's kind of like how young justice um outsiders um was it, it was 26 episodes but they split it um but they split it into two parts. Mm. I could see that. Mm. They're just calling it season two. Kind yeah. of like, kind of like the final season of breaking bad. Yeah. How they didn't really, they, they didn't really call it like season five and season six. They just said, here's season five a, and in about two years, you'll get season five B. But not I do that love that. Level. I do love that one of the things that they took from Tom King's Batman run is Kite Man, hell yeah. <laughs> I Kite Man, hell yeah. I, I I don't I've I've never even heard of Kite Man. So oh, just Kite seeing seeing his image, I was just like, that's a villain. Kite Man's a pretty old school villain, if I remember right, right? Yeah, Wasn't he's Kite Man he, around for a while. He's been a joke in the comic world for forever. I mean, I would love to see somebody do that with Condiment King. I hope we see Condiment King in in season two. Yeah, give Chuck Dixon a royalty paycheck. Okay, yeah. So Kite Man first appeared in Batman uh, issue one thirty three in August nineteen sixty. Yeah, like it's been a Kite Man's been around for a while, and everybody treats it like it's something new. But Tom King uh, did not create Kite Man, <laughs> but he did revitalize him. I'm just in seeing, I'm just seeing the in night and day difference. I, I was showing Crystal what Kite Man looks like, and I just see, you know, the return of Kite Man and Tom King's Batman, and it's an old comic panel. I don't know when it's just like now everyone will get his first look at the kite man. And then <laughs> I see this pan, this page of kite man, just strung up beaten and bloodied with, with graffiti in the background. Who's afraid of the big, bad, big black bat with, with Joker in the background and posters. Oh my God. I don't know if it's just, funny or just 
downright tragic that Tom King just decided, yeah, let's go dark. Oh, and bring it back to Peanuts movie for, for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. Guess Kite Man's civilian name. Ah, <laughs> uh, what's a civilian name? I know it. It's um, Charles Chuck Brown, or as he's called in, in Rebirth, Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, no. oh, I love this guy now. I Okay, I came around. <laughs> I came around in a few minutes. I... Oh my god, I'm looking right at the at the images quick searches. You know, it has I hate everything, which I just realized Kite Man is like a character in his videos, but I see I I H E Rebirth DC Rebirth New Fifty Two Joker Cosplay Villain Superhero Marvel Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. Like it just sticks out like a sword. Oh my god! Look at the little illustration. There's even an illustration of Charlie Brown dressed as Kite Man in the Charles Schultz. Thing. <laughs> I love you it. Send that to them. Um, I'm sending it to you guys the second I can. Dude. I mean, like, you know what, though? He actually had Kite Man serve a legitimate purpose. Tom King did in the in his arc. Um, in his Batman, you know, run. What was the what was his arc? Well, I mean, it's it's a tragic thing. Like he's a he's kind of a tragic anti-hero. I don't want to spoil it though. I don't want to go into like spoilers here, but there, the Kite Man serves a purpose, hmm. which you know you think he's just a one-off joke character, and he's really like there's a reason why he says Kite Man, hell yeah. I mean, you know, and, and Harley Quinn of they they of course play it as a joke, but in the animated show, but I mean in the comics he actually did serve a purpose. So hmm. Kite Man, any, any writer who can give like a joke character like that purpose. Deserves major props. Yeah. Definitely. That's why I say I liked Tom King's Batman run. Like, I like it more than the run that we have going on now. Um, James Tinian, or, or Tinian, however you pronounce his name. His his run on Batman so far has not impressed me. Um, but, like, Tom King's run, I I was... I, I'm actually pretty happy with it. On, on Comic Tropes, he talked about it, and... Um... I haven't read it. The only thing of Tom King's that I read was um, all of the vision. vision. And yeah. uh, I read like two issues of, of uh, Mr. Miracle and vision was, Oh my God, depressing. And it was. Mr. Miracle was, Oh my God, disturbing. Like that's the best way I could say it. Like Mr. Miracle feels like, I'm reading an anxiety attack. And Vision just felt like I was watching my parents fight. I mean, I feel like if you're reading Mr. Miracle, you should be reading a a story that kind of is, you know, about anxiety and, and like, has that sort of feel to it. I, I had no idea what Mr. Miracle, Miracle was. I, I just finished Vision and I was just like, well, people talk about Mr. Miracle. Let me check it you out. Should- and I had never heard of his character before i I think it was jim steranko who created him 
uh, and he was an actual escape artist, and he, that's why he he made this this character named Scott Free, Mister Miracle. Um, and you know he was he's, he's, he's an escape artist creations. as well, but he's on Apocalypse. He's one of Jack Kirby's. Yep. Okay, so Steranko just kind of did like his own version of it. I I guess because hmm. I thought he was the co-creator or something. No, uh, apparently not. He Here's might he might have been, but I know for sure that um, Mister Miracle is part of. Kirby's fourth part world. Of the, fourth, the fourth world. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. But huh. w- one thing that I saw that uh, th- that comic tropes talked about, there was one storyline that he talked about in King's Run that really had me interested. Yeah, which was um, I don't know something involving Batman, and uh, you know he was put on trial, and Bruce Wayne yes had to. It's the, what was it? It it's the post um. Uh, okay, this is this has been around for a while now, so I think we can talk about it. The Batman Catwoman wedding thing. Um, the storyline of like, you know, Batman proposed to Catwoman and basically Catwoman just was basically manipulated into leaving him uh leaving him at the altar, so to speak. Leaving him at the rooftop. Mm. And because of that, Batman spirals into this whole like situation of like he's just doubting himself. And he basically kind of loses it and he goes after villains with much more, you know, he's, he's more heavy handed in how he handles things. And so there's this, uh, there's a couple issues where he's actually Batman, actually Mr. Freeze is put on trial and Bruce is part of the jury and Bruce Wayne basically defends Mr. Freeze and says, what if Batman was wrong? And he does this all out of a sense of like, I'm pushing too hard and, you know, and I'm losing myself. And it's basically like self-loathing, essentially. Like he wants to punish himself. He wants to put himself behind bars, basically, for for beating up Mr. Freeze too much. He's like, it's self-doubt and self-loathing. And it's, it's great. Like hearing, hearing that, that sounds... Absolutely stunning. That sounds like a really good. Like, it was my favorite thing in his run. Favorite thing. I loved it personally um, because it's a good examination of the character. And I know people would say that, oh, it's so dark. And, you know, we had Grant Morrison come in and he lightened Batman up and everything is now fine and dandy. And Scott Snyder left Batman in a good place. I'm just like, you know what? This is my Batman. This is the darker Batman. This is the Batman that I like. It's more grounded. It's more interesting. I don't know. Would you say that it's an inherently bad thing for a character to be too stubborn or like too brooding in that sense? No. I think it depends on the writer. I think there are some people that write, you know, characters like Batman, very angsty characters, very poorly and it just kind of turns people off of like Cora. Oh my god, is <laughs> not angsty. She's not that bad. But I, I mean, like it, you'll see, you'll see. Yeah, you'll turn. Hopefully, you'll turn around in some way. <laughs> but, you'll see uh, it. There's we'll depth see. to it. You, you know, it you, takes you a while. have characters like Batman. You have characters like Anakin Skywalker. People hate them because they're just so broody and serious. And it turns them off of characters like that. It's just in the same way, like a lot of people think Superman's a Boy Scout, 
and they think he's yeah. boring because you know what do you what do you do with a man that's perfect? You get stuff yeah. like Dan Harmon's insane Superman pitch. <laughs> but uh, you, you, you know, I, I guess that you're right. With it is like with just how it's written because. I've seen some bad Batman stories where he's just too broody. He's too stubborn and he's too perfect. Okay, which ones? Okay, just in general, bad Batman story. Of course, Batman Odyssey, but in fairness, that's also like mm. reading a panic attack, but in the worst way. <laughs> um, in general, it's just... Later is there a Frank particular Miller. writer that you think? I, I guess later Frank Miller. But yeah. um, what was the example? It was like sometime. I think it was like right before Infinite Crisis or, or something. I don't remember where like Batman. Oh. Um, you, you know, like he, he created the things and he created Brother Eye and the OMAC project. Yeah. And another example, I think, is Batman Arkham Knight. Just, like, how much he pushes people away in that mo- in that game. And how just unrelentingly cruel he gets, like, at the end of City and Night. I think it depends. Because I think you can do that as long as you have an arc there. As long as he comes out of that by the end. Like there was this, there was a storyline called um, Bruce Wayne Murderer and Bruce Wayne Fugitive. Mm, I I love and that arc. I love that arc too, and that kind of talks about the same kind of issue where he pushed away his whole entire family of characters, like Nightwing and Batgirl and and Robin and everybody, and he also just kind of did away with the Bruce Wayne persona for a while and was just Batman because he was supposed to be in jail as Bruce Wayne, so he just stopped being Bruce Wayne. And um, this was, who was the, it was Ed Brubaker and Greg Rucka, I think, were the two main architects of this run, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, it was during that era of Batman, where he just, like, he pushed a lot of people away, but and to the point where they came to blows because of it. Like, him and Nightwing just fought each other to the point where Nightwing had, had like, just got bloodied up because Batman just, keep, you know, he kicked the crap out of him. And... At the end of the story, though, the arc is that he eventually realizes that he has to... Bruce Wayne is a vital part of who he is, as much as Batman is. And this was all done by the writers to say, like, Bruce Wayne is an integral part of the Batman persona and and vice versa. Hmm. So that was interesting, and that got really broody, like, to the point, like, Angel Season 2 broody, where Angel just did not have any contact with his friends or anything and just went kind of dark, even though he wasn't like Angelus or anything. Uh, I, I know you know this, Josh. I just forgot to brood. <laughs> I, 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 thought of, I thought of an even better example, like Raphael and the Ninja Turtles. Okay. You're turning on a <laughs> I mean, mighty thin ice here. Look, I, 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 I think, yeah, it is just in, in the writing. Cause yeah, like like in that in that instance, like Batman, there's so many stories I can look at and be like, yeah, this is how Batman should be. Nothing too dark, nothing too like of course dark, but with a reason instead of just like yeah. my parents are dead. Wow, wait, wait a 
no parrots. <laughs> like, like for a long time, Raphael was my least favorite turtle. He was just the most like, leave me alone, bro. To, to the point where he became Daredevil in the <laughs> in the two thousand seven movie. <laughs> it wasn't until seeing like you know other versions like in the the two thousand uh, the twenty twelve series and seeing that version of Raphael where his broodiness is really well justified like just in the sense like they don't make him too broody but they kind of explain how they show how different he is. It really made me reevaluate other versions of him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Kind of in the same way, I guess, that the Clone Wars version of Anakin Skywalker recontextualizes uh, uh, Anakin in the movies to some people. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. Which I, I still need to see. <laughs> same. How, how far did you guys get in Clone Wars? I watched the whole show on Netflix back when they had it on there. Wow, I've really only seen like a, like a few clips from the series. Not I haven't I haven't gone through my whole uh, like my whole series watch through yet. Oh, that's a thing. So, like, okay, so you know that character that Dave Filoni created for the for the Clone Wars show, um, Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, yeah, I was just about to ask that. Yeah, so they're actually they're gonna have her portrayed by Rosario Dawson in the Mandalorian season two, which is very very interesting. Yeah this this is big news, especially for those who have speculated for a long time, like that. Uh, if anyone's going to play the character in live action, it was either going to be her or what most people wanted was to have Ashley Eccleston play the character in live action. I would love action. that too. I would love that too. That's the, the yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. One thing that I've been hearing a lot, like complaints, is that a lot of people are saying that she's too old to be playing Ahsoka. Well, Ahsoka would be around that like she would be the older ahsoka from like rebels i think yeah that's what i'm saying like this is after empire strikes back right after return of the jedi so yeah Uh, yeah after yeah yeah so that makes sense that makes sense like ahsoka's a young woman in the in the clone wars right like she's in her late teens early 20s i would say late yeah late yeah and what about when we see her in rebels in Rebels, I would say that's like, well, it's the Clone Wars, which was between two and three, and then it's episode four, which is sometime after three. Like that'd be like in her thirties, late thirties, maybe forty. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, who I knows guess, how her... I, I I guess this ch- this checks out then. Yeah, I would yeah. think. Absolutely, she's gonna sh- she would be old by the time of the Mandalorian. I would I would be. I would, I would be kind of uh, amiss if I didn't mention the kind of elephant in the room when it comes to Rosario Dawson's kind of casting. For for me, I think it's perfect. Yeah, I do too. I mm-hmm. I love her as an actress. She's great. She she always puts her all in everything, even when it's like a really dumb movie. Like I, I did like, not expect like Zombieland her to become- two. Like Zombieland Two, like Clerks Two. I love Zombieland Two. Damn it! <laughs> I still oh, I, haven't no, seen I, it. I love it too, but I'm 
but I'm also acknowledging that it is very dumb. But it, yeah, but it was great. <laughs> I don't know. I just I. Oh man, I don't know. I just seem like I am not part of the mainstream. It seems like because I just uh, I love that movie. I liked it more than the first. Same, Ooh, actually. That is a. That is a I liked it more statement. than the first one. I, am, I love the first one. So I, I like the first one a lot too. Don't get me wrong, but I like the second one a lot more. I don't know why. Would, would you it's say just, it's it, better than the first one, Crystal? You actually saw it. You still haven't seen it. Oh my god! I didn't even. You haven't seen it? I know. I'm shocked. I was. I was actually really excited for it too. Wow, dude, you got to see that, man. I'll. I'll give you my voodoo password. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> but uh, one of the you have a voodoo. Then you can. Oh my god, you have a voodoo. Then you can laugh at no, all my. I voodoo don't have choices. a voodoo. My dad has a voodoo. Oh yeah, yeah. He's Which, well, they have good deals this. sometimes. Yeah, I was just about to mention that. Okay, that's what he does with his voodoo account. He buys never been kissed. But he also has big trouble in little China, so it all balances out. Yeah, and Pam's labyrinth. But uh, he sounds like me. <laughs> But one of the things that I, weirdly enough, I haven't seen any positive feedback except for like some of the creators and directors for Star Wars. And for what? Like for uh, Rosario Dawson being cast. Really? And I'm going to, I'm going to preface all this by saying this is allegedly. So what I'm about to say, I don't even know how true it is, but apparently a lot of people are really upset with it because I guess she's transphobic that she got in a, like she's, she's currently being sued by, by a family because I, I think she assaulted a, a, a trans woman or a trans man. And has just been yeah, trying I, to, I, I heard I the, hear story the, keys, <laughs> the keys moving. Like I'm, I'm not saying anything about it just because I don't know the full story. So, um, from what I've seen, I still don't know about it, but as far as like taking everything into consideration, I still think she's a really good cast member. And I think, oh my God, she's going to knock it out of the park. But I also understand there's like a lot of, at least the, at least the very vocal backlash about the casting. Hmm. That's interesting because I I didn't see any backlash myself. I just saw positive remarks about it. That's why it's very shocking. Just kind of like I literally woke up and found out. Oh hey, Rosario Dawson's cast. That's pretty cool. And everyone's like, "Man, screw Rosario Dawson!" And it's like, well, wait, what happened? You didn't hear about this? It's like waking up and hearing like apparently the stuff that that John Lennon did. It's like, wait, what? When did this happen? Man, I, I don't know about this episode. I'm learning that Jared Leto has a cult. <laughs> People are mad about Rosario Dawson. <laughs> John Lennon now did something. Is this just Gal Gadot like a- sang off key? <laughs> <laughs> Is this just our, our, our new uh, spinoff series, Tea Time with... <laughs> <laughs> who spilled the tea who spilled the tea with the four of us <laughs> oh man the, the thing I'm more skeptical about more than anything it's not Rosario Dawson it's not even all that it's just 
I think it's just me. I, I don't know about Ahsoka being in the Mandalorian. It would just depend on how big of a role she has. I think she could be used as someone who knows something about Baby Yoda, about the child. Officially. Hmm. Yeah. Because as far, as far as we know, there aren't there aren't any other force users aside from the child. Yeah. That's true. Can we get the spin-off movie with Baby Yoda and Broom Boy from The Last Jedi? <laughs> Dave Filoni, oh, man. Please. The internet would explode. Half of it would be cool. Half of it would be very upset. It, it, I think it's just, for me, the best parts of The Mandalorian are the, are the parts that don't deal with the Jedi. Yeah, I, I I just like the world, like exploring the underground, their whole ecosystem. Happy Bill Burr, you know, it, it just... It, <laughs> it, every, everything about Mandalorian's world, like Baby Yoda is awesome because it's like, oh, wow, he's got the Force, whoa, what? And it's like the, the big connective tissue with that in Star Wars because otherwise it would just be a really cool space bounty hunter show. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. Guys, Cowboy Bebop, need I say more? Uh, Firefly. 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 Firefly, need I say more? But, um... Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the thing that I liked about it, was the fact that it's a space western. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know, like, hear, hearing some of the stuff with, um... With Mandalorian Season 2, it's it's got me worried that they're going to start putting too much of the Jedi into it well some people think she might be like a guardian of the wills or something that which would, would be, be cool. interesting mm-hmm. but i will say that one of my favorite clone wars um story arcs was with ahsoka as the main character it was at the very end of season what was it season four it was like her last major storyline that she had hmm. well, where she was about? uh she was basically on trial for like the bombing at like the Jedi temple. And she, uh, she ran away from that. And then Anakin was kind of trying to protect, trying to protect her, but he was also, you know, he was kind of chasing her down because he wanted to, to protect her basically and make sure she was okay. But she just ran away and had to survive on her own. And she ran down into the levels on Coruscant, like the, you know, the levels on the, the, the lower part of the planet like the inside of the planet. Kind of like that game that was supposed to come out, that Star Wars 1313. Ah, uh, so it would have been like... Like she ran one. down to level like... It was it was almost 1313, I want to say. Like I think they threw that in. It's like the, the real like ghetto part of Coruscant. Yeah. I thought that was one of the best story arcs that they had in the entire show. As far and then as at I the know, end, uh, like the last thing that they've... The, like the last thing that we've seen of Ahsoka was in uh, Star Wars Rebels, where she goes. Yeah, to... and then she she came back on the Disney Plus episodes of Clone Wars that just premiered. Oh, okay. But like timeline wise, wasn't like the last thing that she went up against Darth and. Yeah, at, at uh. Yeah. Shoot, what's the name of that planet? Exegol. Yeah, Exegol. Hmm. Ah, Exegol. This just made me think of the 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 throwaway line in Avatar during the 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 Ember Island players. 
it's just where uh, Zuko asks, wait, so Jet died? And Sokka says, it was kind of ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. On on the subject of Star Wars, this is like very old news, but I'm curious if you guys read it. Uh, the, Colic, the Colin Trevorrow and, and Derek Connolly yeah. script for Episode yeah. 9, Duel of the Fates, was leaked. Yes. Did you guys ever get to read it? Um, not the whole thing, just uh, just some passages and I yeah. I, I got to read the whole thing and word of warning for anybody that watches the show, you're pretty much always gonna be at odds with me when it comes to Star Wars opinions, if you haven't caught that from the very first episode. Um just know I meet you halfway, Empire's still the best movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, you can you can all uh, breathe a sigh of relief. Yes, but I'm going to say Duel of the Fates was probably going to be a way better episode nine than Rise yes. of Skywalker. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I got to aside from all the Poe and Ray stuff. Yeah, that was a thing that they that Colin and Derek really wanted in the story, which is Poe and Ray were an item. Hmm. Poe and Ray. Yeah, that uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't see that. Yeah, yeah you guys are skeptical yeah. about it too. Like, I'll admit, reading it, there were some parts where I thought, "Oh, that's charming," but I- I'm pretty sure, like, if if our princess Carrie Fisher hadn't passed away, um, she probably would have either she or some other person like higher up would have been like, "Look, we love the script. We love everything. Just um." This doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like if, if it were Finn and Ray, that would have been different. Yeah. I think it would have been an imperfect movie as well. But I think I liked it more than the one that we got because at least it ran with, it seemed like a more um, organic continuation of The Last Jedi. As, a, as opposed to... As like opposed a, to Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I I genuinely wonder sometimes if I'm if I'm being too harsh on it. Like I'll I wonder sometimes if I'm too harsh on Spider-Man Far From Home in the same way. Cause I think Spider-Man Far From Home is an okay movie. But uh, it's nowhere near the best Spider-Man movie. And that's kind of where I stand with Rise of Skywalker, where it's an okay action movie. But as a Star Wars movie, I now get why people hated the prequels with a burning passion. Because Rise of Skywalker just frustrates me so much. Yeah, with all the... I I, I like pieces. I don't like the whole... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with all the, like, fake-out deaths and bad things happening. Like, oh, Chewie's gone. No, he's not. What was the one that really frustrated you? Because it was a, what was it? It, it was it was it three PO? I think so. That one was the one that like, really frustrated me. They're like, oh well, if we do this, he, he he's gonna lose his memories entirely. Are you sure you want to do this? Because he's gonna lose his memories. We gotta do this, but he's gonna do it. Lose his memories. He loses his memories, and then he gets them back. It's like there's no consequences. Nope. There's no consequences to any of their actions. And it's like, 
well, well, what's the point? Why make this big deal? Why make this big deal of, oh, Chewie's dead. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> I hate it. Like, one one thing that that, that Trevor and uh, Connolly's script had, they did have a moment with 3PO that I really loved, where 3PO was basically forced to kill a droid. And that was... The way it reads, it sounds really dark, and it sounds like a... Like, almost like a scene out of an Evil Dead movie. Okay, that's not... That's not dark, but, you know, like, this droid's going off on everybody, and C-3PO, you know, he's just like, a droid isn't supposed to harm another thing, and he's just kind of forced to, and, you know, he reaches into, like, this... uh, Tell that to the the battle droids, bro. (laughs) He doesn't... Except they didn't really harm anything, honestly, except for each other. I think the funny thing is he doesn't even, like, he doesn't even hit fatally. But, uh, like, in episode two, looking back on it, but, you know, he, he, he opens up the droid compartment for, like, the memory or something, or, like, the, the wires, and he starts pulling out the wires forcefully, and he's just like, I'm so sorry. Dang. And it's just, like, a very metal scene. Whoa. And, uh, of course, <laughs> the one iconic thing that I think most people read that is absolutely stupid out of context <laughs> and in context. It's still stupid, but not nearly as much. It's it's right at the end, because the big set piece in, in Duel of the Fates is on Coruscant. And, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, Hux is the chancellor now. And, you know, he it, it's right at the end. The heroes are basically winning. And, you know, he's just like, come on, do something. And they're like, sir we don't know what to do. Like everything's ruined. And Hux looks outside and the action slug that Trevor and Connolly wrote was Hux looks outside and sees the horror. He has lost the star. War. <laughs> and the first you stand thing there that... and just go the horror, <laughs> the horror. <laughs> the first thing that I thought when I heard that line was, was, uh, uh, in the Game of Thrones, you either win or you die. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta I, okay. I gotta give Dom, Donald Gleason Gleason some some props though, because like he had first of all that that speech in um in the Force Awakens, the yeah, Hitler that speech. Was... That was epic. Like that performance was epic. He's, he's got and, drool um, coming out of his mouth. That and... dude. He is something, man. Because, like, if you watch him, um, and who's the guy that played uh, Poe? Oh, uh, Oscar Isaac. Isaac. Oscar Isaac, yeah. If you watch them in Ex Machina, it's, like, complete 180 for both actors, you know? Yep. Funny but, thing, like, the first thing I saw watch... him in was uh, uh, Sucker Punch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolute creep. Yeah, Totally. Just Donald Gleason and Oscar Isaac, you, you can never go wrong with them, but Donald Gleason, Donald Gleason. Credit, he had a very minor role and he just ate it up. I, I, I love him. I love him in these Star Wars movies because he's like, I am the spy. I, I it's just so like <laughs> freaking hilarious. I, I, I like, think he, he's probably one of our most underappreciated comedic actors. Yeah, I mean, he's so good, and he just, like, 
you know, that's like his one big line in this whole movie. And he's just like, I'm just going to feed it to the camera, man. I'm just going to have <laughs> my, fun with my, that. My, fa- my favorite, though, is when he says, I don't care if you win. I just want yeah. Hilo to lose. <laughs> he's so good. <laughs> man, Hux is, uh, is the best, and, man. I, I mean, I even like the joke in the opening of The Last Jedi, okay? I'm a sucker. I, I like the joke in the opening where he's just, he's like, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Just like. He's just so intense with everything. It's great. And, and they had like a little side plot with Hux, like a little thing that they were setting up where Hux and, and Trevorrow and, and Connolly's script, he's, um, you know, he collects lightsabers and one of them's the dark saber or something like, no, no, no. That was one of the Knights of Ren. They had the dark saber, but uh, Hux oh, has lightsabers and he's constantly trying to use the force. <laughs> and he just he doesn't work it doesn't work even when he has rose captured you know he's trying to like you know force choke her and she's just like oh are you trying to force choke me she's he's just like be quiet and she's just like oh oh you're not special not at all <laughs> and at the very end he literally commits seppuku <laughs> like with everything going on he'd rather go out with his own hand, then be killed, and he just he gets oh his prize lightsaber God. and just impales himself. That, that, that that's epic. Tell me that wouldn't <laughs> have been like the coolest freaking thing to see Donald Gleason. He would have owned that. But the okay, so one of the things that I didn't like about the the Trevorrow script is that like, so Kylo Ren just kind of vanishes or like dies or like is extinguished wasn't it like he basically gives his life to uh to ray something along those lines in rise of skywalker yeah but in in the trevorrow script in duel of the fates is that what happens because kylo's thing is that you know after last jedi you know he basically closed all doors he's like i am fucking i am evil now I yeah. am, I am, I am bad boy. And he, yeah. he learns throughout the whole script, like, you know, to forget about destroying planets, I'm going to literally destroy lives. And he learns how to suck out the energy, the life force of people, not choke, just suck out the life. And in a last hail Mary, he sucks out Ray's life. And, uh, I forget what happens, but something turns around and, um, Ray ends up defeating know. him, and uh, but you know she's dying. She's getting older and she's dying. It's kind of like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when Donovan is that... the wrong Grail. Oh, and, well. uh, and and Kylo, you know they kind of have a moment, and uh, Kylo decides to give her his life. Why would he decide that? Because I thought they were like not going to have him redeem himself. It was like despite everything, she still saw the good in him. And she, you know, everybody, it's kind of like, I'm sorry about the Avatar connections, but it's like kind of like an Avatar when everyone's like, Aang, you got to kill the Fire Lord. There's no other way. And Ray's like, I can't just kill Kylo Ren. I can't just kill him. And even when, this is the one thing people don't like in the script, which is that it's revealed that Ben killed Ray's parents. Yeah. Mm. I don't mind it. 
I really don't mind it, but it was a way to just get her to like, y- you know, just really but go off that, and give it to the dark. But then that sort of, that sort of implies that he had knowledge of who Ray was. I like to think that it was still a fake out. Mm. Like it, I, I thought the same thing to, to an extent with Ray uh, in last Jedi, you know, he's just like, you come from nothing. You're nobody. Is it better? Is, is it better than Palpatine getting busy? Well, he, he didn't even get busy. I would argue apparently. yes. Apparently, Ray's father is also a Palpatine clone. Nani? That's stupid. What? JJ, what are you doing? Was that JJ or was that the that novelization? Was JJ. Or, well, that was the novelization, but apparently JJ like offered that explanation for it i don't remember it was uh, uh i no everything no. i hear about rise <laughs> of skywalker even the bad aspects are being taken away i want palpatine tinder dates i don't want palpatine just expanding his his consciousness like an amoeba well no matter what his clone got his nut off <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> but uh, just finishing up with the the, the Connolly and Trevorrow script, there yeah. were two things I absolutely adored, and one of them was Rose. Oh my yeah. god, she! You could tell they really loved Rose and wanted to build on her in a way that Ryan Johnson couldn't, and. I, a friend of mine on, on, on Facebook and Twitter, shout out to Joseph, you know, you know who you are. Um, he basically compared Rose to Marion in Indiana Jones. And in the script, that's quite the compliment in the script. It fits. Rose is a badass. You know, she's, she's on the same level as the group, you know, with Ray and Poe and Finn, just like, snarkily talking back and forth with them. She has moments where she's actually in struggles and fighting. There's a bit where she's basically being taken away to go get imprisoned, and she, I think, hacks the lights or something and turns off the lights, and she escapes and, like, locks them all up. And she basically wins the day at the end for the for the rebels on Coruscant, you know, Finn's like, what happened? And, you know, she's like, well, I wasn't able to act. I wasn't able to disable the hyperdrive in time. And, you know, Finn, it says in the action slogs, like, you know, Finn looks down sullen. It's all, you know, it's uh, they've lost. And she still continues. So I figured the next best thing I could do was, you know, reroute the hyperdrive uh, uh, coordinates. I don't know where it's sent, but hopefully it should, like, hopefully it'll, like, implode them directly upon. And then, zoom, mid-sentence, right in the background. You see it right in the background, the, the pyre that the First Order is on, that's a ship. It just immediately goes off into hyperspace and crashes right into a nearby moon. Oh, wow. It's like this big spectacle and she basically saved the day and destroyed the first order jeez can we get can, can we get that rose instead like that's isn't that awesome mm-hmm. that would have we edit her into the movie that would have sh- that would have shut up so many critics of rose are just like man rose sucks 
they would see that they'd be like oh my god rose is like one of the best characters rose is cool she was like an engineer that was that was one thing i adored and the other thing i adored was finn mm-hmm. like more than jj and more than ryan even though i think a lot of people really downplay finn's journey in last jedi um Trevorrow and Connolly really loved Finn and wanted to give him a proper ending to his arc. And what they what they did on the, in the very first scene, he runs into a soldier, a stormtrooper that he actually met during conditioning training, and it kind of haunts him for the rest of the movie. And um, you, you know, right at the end in Coruscant, when they're about to like blow everything up, things fail as they usually do because it's the second act, so things can't go smoothly hint hint screenwriters and um you know he's all bloodied and bruised and he's in the sewers and he's running around and he runs into that soldier again and instead of killing him he knocks him down takes away his gun and he takes away his helmet and he has this very very beautiful scene where he looks at him he's like hey look at me do you remember me do you know who i am and the guy nods yes he's like Listen, what they did to us wasn't right. I know you feel it, too. I know you feel it when you could have killed me, but you didn't. And the guy's like, you know, just taking it all in. And he's still got the radio. He's like, look, tell them, tell them that, you know, there's nothing to fear. Like, that nothing happened. He says, you know, nothing happened. And he says, listen, it doesn't have to be like this. If you know it's not right, you can change. Do you have a name? And the guy's like... You know, I I don't remember. He's like, first, you get a name. That's that's the first step. And then as he starts to leave, he grabs his uh, he grabs the guy's blaster. The stormtrooper says, you know, well, what's what what do I do then? And Finn looks at him and says, then you find something worth fighting for. And he leaves. And the stormtroopers just left there like shook. And later on. Right when everything's at its lowest point, when Finn and Rose and all of them, they're just hunkered down. R2 is brained because there's like a rock that fell on him in the struggle. Everybody's like getting beat down. <laughs> Suddenly there's like... Sorry, this... I, I just... <laughs> I just had this image of... <laughs> of the scene from Kingdom Hearts where <laughs> Goofy pushes Mickey out of the way. Look out! That's <laughs> basically what happens. And then right when like this this Chrome Trooper, I think that's what they called him. It's like Phasma, but not really because I'm pretty sure they didn't want. Uh, I almost said Gwendolyn J. Sorry, Gwen. Uh, Gwendolyn uh, Christie Christie to come back just to be wasted again. Because he, he, they, they're about to kill Finn, and then they get shot off to the side, and then you see, um, you see that same trooper that Finn talked to, and that same trooper has a whole bunch of stormtroopers that he, that he, that he rallied behind his side. And I forget his name, but you know, Finn basically inspires a stormtrooper uprising. That's cool. It was. I'm not doing it justice, but it was so well written, and it, it could have used some touching up with the dialogue. But it, it just shows. I mean, I'm assuming that this was like a draft. It was like the very first draft that they ever did, and yeah, so they would have changed some things. Like I think, for comparison's sake, it was it was finished in 2016, 
That was like oh, okay. way before the Last Jedi even premiered. So I'm almost yeah. positive, like even watching the Last Jedi or talking with Ryan and JJ, Trevorrow and Connolly would have been like, "Okay, let's take this into consideration. Let's change this." Okay, they laughed at that he lost the Star Wars. So okay, bonus points for that. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's take out Poe and Ray. But I, I don't know. It it really sucks because. Reading that script, I got the feeling that there really was a plan in place for the trilogy. Yeah. And really the Did we ever find out like the reason why um he left the project? I imagine it was just trying to fill in the void with uh uh Carrie Fisher's death. And uh just trying to really just I, I almost imagine everybody at Lucasfilm was scrambling because of the underperformance of Solo and the fan backlash of The Last Je- Jedi. So they, they just like, eh, screw this. Let's go back to playing with our dinosaurs. <laughs> and it, it's, it's a real shame, too, because for all the faults that I think Colin Trevorrow has... And I really do want to make a video on this at some point, like comparing. I was one of the few people that was on board with the trilogy when it was announced that it was going to be three separate filmmakers because people were like, oh, my God. Yes, George Lucas had all three prequel movies and they sucked. You know what? Let's make it like the original trilogy. Let's get three different filmmakers, each with their own styles. They'll help it out. And then after Last Jedi, they're like, oh, my God, J.J. Abrams should have just done all three. Like, I really want to make a video showing all three filmmakers, like, strengths and weaknesses. As much as I love Ryan Johnson, I'll admit he has some weaknesses. Everybody does as a screenwriter. Yeah. But despite Colin's, Colin Trevorrow's biggest flaws as a screenwriter and as a director, I think he's got a very bland style of directing at times, and... My God, he gives J.J. Abrams, Abrams a run for his money when it comes to fan service. Um, yeah. One thing he really knows what to do, how to do, is just give the people what they want. Give them a really awesome finale. Like, everybody that even doesn't like the first Jurassic World, they pretty much say, yeah. But that last fight was so goddamn cool. Right? So, I, I don't know. I I, I kind of lament that we didn't get to see that version, but maybe it was for the best. For all I know, they probably would have been like, hey, Colin is worse than Ryan Johnson. Let's crucify his directing career. And he'll turn oh, around geez. and be like, no worries. Book of Henry did that already. <laughs> well... Okay, guys, so before we go, because we're, we're almost at the 90-minute mark here, um, before we go, I want to get a couple of words in about some video game news and some video game releases. So um, did you guys watch anything about the, the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X kind of specs? Uh, I haven't. That they released? Well, let me tell you something. The PS5, uh, the the specifications that they were talking about on YouTube and stuff and the way that they did it. I love Mark Cerny. I do. But he put me to sleep twice. 
I like I tried to watch that thing and I could not make it through it. It was so dry. But he's a very smart guy. And I liked hearing, you know, I, I liked hearing what he had to say, but at the same time I was just like, man. It was a GDC talk. It was a game developers conference talk. And really, they should have just said it's a game developers conference talk. And they just, you know, there's no GDC this year. So they should have just, like, said up front, this is going to be just tech specs, guys. No game announcements, no nothing. But it was interesting. I mean, it, it's it's still interesting to see it. I'll just read about it instead of trying to watch the video because that it put me to sleep. I the only thing I heard about it was the fact that apparently the PlayStation 5 will only have backwards compatibility up to the PlayStation 4. Okay, they they have since tried to clarify that that most PlayStation 4 titles are going to be available on there. Oh, so not even But I think at, at first it was like, yeah, it seems like Xbox has the edge in terms of backwards compatibility because from what I understand is they're they're making it so that you can play any Xbox game on that thing. Yeah, I remember back in E3, like one of the E3s, they came out and just said, yo, we hear you guys. You can play yeah. Xbox games from the original Xbox. And everyone was like, ah. Yeah. Ah, but I love God of War though. They have a larger uh, internal storage also. They have a one terabyte solid state drive in the Xbox Series X. And it's 825 gigabytes on the PS5. I mean, you know, there's only so much that hardware is going to tell us about the experience that we're going to have with the console. So it's hard to say which one is going to be better. But pure numbers wise, it looks like the Xbox has the edge in most categories. Most categories, not all. Um, I don't know what to say about it other than like they both seem really powerful and I'll probably get them both at some point but I know that the PlayStation is probably going to have the edge in terms of exclusives and in terms of single player games and Xbox is going to have the edge in terms of technology just like now essentially especially if it if it turns out like the rumors about Sony and by like possibly mediating with Konami and Kojima to to get Castlevania, yeah. Metal Gear, and Silent Hill. Yeah. You know they're they're gonna they're gonna dominate. That that's gonna be yeah. like you know that's it. You know I hate to say it, but Xbox can only coast off of Gears of War and Halo for so long. Yeah. When when even was the last Halo game? Halo 5 was some years ago, and then they had Halo Wars 2 afterwards, I think. But I don't even know. When did that come out? Halo 5 release. That was in 2015, October 27th. And then you had Halo Wars 2. Came out in 2017 on February 21st. So yeah, they... Xbox has to kind of step up their game if they want to. Yeah. Wait, if, don't if they, they want to compete against what Sony's doing. Oh, yeah. Guardians, yeah. I think. Uh, Infinite. Oh, Halo actually. Infinite. Yeah. Yeah. Halo Infinite's coming out, and apparently it's still on schedule. When is. Okay, I'm going to keep this. That tab. is. Okay. 
Let's see, Halo Infinite. It just says Holiday 2020. When is the Series X supposed to come out? Oh, oh boy. Just a slight breaking news. Um, it's, a, it's an article from GameSpot. Halo Infinite developer discusses the impact of COVID-19 on the game. Yeah. Oh my god, it, it's playing in my ear. Ow. Uh, we're removing all the obstacles in our path and tracking well, but need to be mindful of our current limitations and understand that the coronavirus situation may get worse before it gets better. Rest assured that every single one of us is doing everything in our power to continue developing and delivering quality Halo experiences while we adjust to this new way of life. Both mm -hmm. 343 and Microsoft's leadership teams have been providing constant updates with how the COVID-19 situation is progressing, how our projects are progressing, and recommendations on how best to stay safe during these unprecedented times. So, please remember that this is bigger than games and bigger than Halo. Practice social distancing whenever... Okay, they're just telling us to wash our hands. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, another thing is that we saw two big game releases this week. Um, we had Animal Crossing, New Horizons, I believe is what it's called. And I'm not a Nintendo Switch person, so if anybody is, just go ahead and. I I'm not a, I'm not your piece. I'm not a Switch person. Just I have one, but I still haven't played a lot of it. But from what I've seen, I really want to get it. It looks fun. It looks like. You know, kind of like uh, the kind of thing that I need right now, which is very mellow and I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong there, though, because I know that some people get very upset about Animal Crossing or they get very, like, intense. If there's, like, anybody who's looking to get into Animal Crossing, like, it's not exactly, uh, uh, you know, very uh, 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 family friendly, but... You know, it's one of those games that you just, you just experience and live. But uh, the best way that I experienced it's like Harvest it, Moon. Yeah, and and the best way that I've experienced it is watching a, a a channel by the name of Super Mega experience, like playing through the very first game, Animal Crossing, and right now they're playing through Animal Crossing: New Horizons. And it, like I said, fair warning, they're very <laughs> they're very out there, vulgar. And vulgar is mm -hmm. a very nasty way of putting it. They're very... Josh. They're vulgar. Intense. They're, they're basically what would happen if Game Grumps was combined with Adult Swim. Okay, yeah, that, that paints a very... Uh, a very distinct <laughs> picture. Yeah, you, you get what I mean. Like, They're more on par with like Eric Andre and, uh, and, and uh, uh, Rick and Morty in that sense. Just in their in their kind of humor, but seeing them play through Animal Crossing, it was like I get it. So if you if you haven't gotten into it, I recommend checking those out, and maybe you'll maybe you'll see. See, it's really interesting because I don't watch a lot of game streamers, except for like very few that I like, or or that I like their style. But like that that's an interesting sort of generational thing because for me, it was just like okay, you just you play the demo or you just play the game and just like whatever. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I have a hard time watching game streamers. 
it has to be very like it's only with certain things just to get those experiences because when it comes to like more linear things it's like well come on you you can just play it yeah well let's talk about let's talk about that resident evil 3 demo that dropped because i played it um just uh what was it last night two weeks or two nights ago Anyway, I played it recently, and it was interesting. There's a lot of exploration. I'm one of those people where, when I was growing up, Resident Evil was outlawed in my house, so I did not get to play it. That bad, um, huh? Growing up. That bad, man. <laughs> but no, I mean, like... So, coming into it as someone who is entirely new or has played just a little bit of Resident Evil, I liked it. A lot. Graphically, it's really good. Um, I'm definitely getting it. And I can tell you that the Nemesis scared the crap out of me. <laughs> and, like, that thing is ridiculous. I don't know how we're going to survive. Because the, the only hope that you have is just to run like hell and make it to the next cutscene. <laughs> because that guy is... You're, you can't beat him. Um, you can down him maybe just a little bit to the point where he's like, you know, he goes down on one knee and then you'll just get to a point in the game where he'll just jump right in front of you. It, he is scary. Um, it's, it's good though. It's very good. It, uh, the shotgun is my favorite weapon. Oh God. It looks like a tech, <laughs> Texas chainsaw massacre version of, uh, of swamp thing. The nemesis is scary, <laughs> man. It's scary. It, it it jumps in front of you. It has like a, it whips you with like a vine arm, like a crazy evil vine arm. We're, we're going to play Ugh. this tomorrow, Crystal. Oh no. It's horrible. Yes, we are. We're going to play I can this. barely handle Death Stranding, okay? It, it's, <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good, I think. Uh, it definitely makes me want to play Resident Evil 2, which I do have. So I'm going to go back and play that one too. Okay, and then let's talk about the uh, the elephant in the room, which is Doom Eternal. Oh, yes. Doom Eternal, which I have been waiting for for a very long time, and I have thoughts about it. Um, I'm only in the very early segment of the game, though. Um, it's There are some very good points to the game, and there are some very... Oh, no... There are some points where I just want to throw it away. Oh, uh, okay. Because I get so frustrated. Yeah. It's a it's a tough game. It's a tough game for someone like me, I guess, uh, who who rather sucks. But you know, I mean, I I I get through it. Just you, get, you just got to keep trying, and then you'll make it. But it's a it's a rough game. Yeah, I I, I it's get a that. it's a gorgeous game. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've never seen. I've never seen a more beautiful, gory game in my life, if that makes sense. Oh, oh, hell yeah. Like, when I was playing it, my father-in-law had me stop because I was just going so fast. I was just like, I need to kill. Just telling me to take in the story and take in the sights. and It's a beautiful, beautifully destructive game. Have you gotten to the platforming bits? Actually, I think that's right where I stopped. Because of okay, I don't. Okay, where are you talking about? Because for me, I think it was like like there's there's a couple of uh, in the early going and like maybe the first level. I think they introduced the platforming aspect. 
Is it the first level or the second level? I think there was a, there was a point that I remember. Where, the second level. There's a point where you know you go to this area and then you see like this uh, this monster on a platform and then suddenly the platform just sinks. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're right there. And I I thought you know what I don't want to bore Crystal with Death Stranding. I'm just gonna pop in some Doom. I'm gonna kill some people. I'm gonna feel all right with the world because you know what killing people in Doom is like a form of therapy. <laughs> and it kind of is. I got to that platforming and I died three times, <laughs> and I just got so frustrated. I was just like, "All right, screw this, screw this." The platforming is rough, man, because it's first person, and first person platforming is just like, oh gosh, it's hard. Is is that where most of your frustrations lie? Um, I hit a combat segment today where I was just like, uh, I I dropped the controller and just went, I'm done. And then I came back to it later and I actually beat that part and got through the level. But it's there are moments of this game. Yeah, it's funny because we want I was talking about earlier that um, we were watching our friend Alan play and it was a Mm -hmm. much later level, like close to the end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And again, he was playing on ultra violence. That's crazy. And he was fighting this boss. And I'm telling you right now, it gets worse. You think it's bad right oh, yeah. now. It's going to get a thousand times No, it's going to get way worse. I know. I know. This is an old school game. This is like old school in terms of difficulty. So this is, you know, like like these guys are not afraid to push you yeah. as a player. And they give you the tools, though. They do give you the tools. But it's up to you to use them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, our buddy Alan, he's, he's like a, a pro player. And yeah. It's to the point where I I started getting really frustrated with him because he never used his chainsaw. Mm-hmm. But it was only because he was so good at getting headshots and he had a perk where every time you get a headshot on a certain enemy, they drop a whole bunch of ammo and health. At the- oh. <laughs> so he I just see. never needed to use <laughs> the chainsaw. And he and every single time he would die, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, I have a chainsaw." I'm like, "Screw <laughs> you!" He just forgot to. He forgot about it completely. Yeah. Does he use his equipment though? Does he use like the fire thing and the the fire yeah, spit thing? Yeah, he used that on occasion. Fire belch. On occasion. The, the the one thing that he really used the most was I haven't even gotten it. It was like on the double barreled shotgun. It has like a. Like yeah, yeah. And you just kind of scorpion. Grappling people. hook. <laughs> the grappling hook shotgun, the super shotgun. I do love that. That's pretty cool. Is he playing on PC or is he playing on on one of the consoles? Xbox. Yeah. He's playing on Xbox. Okay. You're just like uh, I'm disappointed now. And then like. When when we were heading out and like we, he was finishing up the the level, he's like, "Oh yeah!" And this whole time, my controller's been busted. Like it gets stuck in the no, like in the forward position at some point. No, don't <laughs> tell me that. Don't tell me that. That's and ridiculous. And he was still like, <laughs> "That's so ridiculous." Are you sure about that? Like he showed it to us. Like what was wrong with the controller? Like, I don't know what would happen. That's ridiculous, like, man. But he would, like, push forward, and if he, like, push forward... How on are the, people on this the... good at games? Like, what do you guys do with your lives? Do you just play games all the time? <laughs> like, do you not sleep? Do you just drink a bunch <laughs> of Red Bulls? 
I swear to I, God, I mean, what... we can never play Smash Brothers with him because he always wins. That's just wrong, man. <laughs> but seriously, that that's that's awesome, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Whoever you are, my friend, you are awesome. Alan, this one's for you. <laughs> we raise a drink to you, sir. <laughs> but um yeah i mean it it's a really good game i will say this it's a good game when you get past those moments that get you really frustrated and then you finally have that moment of getting past it and you're like all right i made it i'm good i don't know for me it's just you know sometimes mm. it's just pure luck getting through it sometimes it is <laughs> i've noticed that because there was we're doing this whole system where it's me, my dad, and Josh playing. So we all get a turn every after we die. And I suck at video games. I suck. And we were passing the controller probably like for five rounds. And these guys couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I would always die within like the first two minutes. And then somehow, miraculously... I beat it. <laughs> oh, I'm not showing off. I I got through that for through pure luck. But oh, that man. is a fun game. Just, just one quick thing: How do you guys play the game? Like with 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 the gun? Do you have it like normal, like how how it is, like right out of the gate, or do you go into the menu and you do the classic gun pose? Uh, I just play it normal. The first run through, I'm going to play it as with the normal gun sort of positioning. Okay, so I'm the weirdo. Yeah, you are the weirdo. No, I mean the the classic the the classic look is really cool though. I'm glad that they put that in. Like I didn't even realize that they put that in the first one or the second one. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's cool and all, but who holds their gun to their who chest? Cares? What do you want a that's broken the, sternum? Crystal, it was the nineties. Everything was that's extreme all they in the had. 90s. That was the technology. That was the technology. Was that's like, all they had. It was like no, I wrong. get that. I get that. I have nothing against the uh, against the originality of it. It but was it was like if Rob Liefeld turned into a video game. It's just pure testosterone <laughs> and awesome, and none of it makes sense. But Josh, it, it sets you up with the correct positioning. If well, I can keep in vain the same spirit as George Romero and John Carmack, you know what? It's all right. Yeah, they did that for the people that played the original. Exactly. Which is yeah, cool. Yeah, but you I didn't mean, play the original. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yeah, you did. Really? I never beat it. You're lying to me. I'm not lying to you. Whatever. <coughs> Do you want me to prove my gamer credentials? What? I will, I will <laughs> slam a controller down on the table and be like, look, that's a video game. Sh show me your gaming resume. Um. Well, um. My first console was a GameCube. But I own a Super Nintendo, so that means I'm better. <laughs> yeah, and where is it? Where is the Super Nintendo? Okay, you know what? Yeah. I don't have my Collecting own TV dust anymore. In so my closet. I, I don't have my own TV anymore, so I can't connect everything like I want to. Yeah, and even when you did have your own TV, did you ever play anything on it? Yes, I would. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. I never once saw you play. Okay. I would play Contra three and and Doctor Mario and Tetris. Contra three, man, that was a game. <laughs> hell yeah. Yep. Contra three, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry, Mike. We've been doing all this video game talk. So is uh, anything that you want to add before we go? Um, not not really. <laughs> Just kind of dealing with this whole uh, the whole craziness of coronavirus. Yeah, uh, it's insane. Man. So like comic books are apparently going to stop after this week. This is man. Crazy. We can't we can't let one more um one more art form be shut out by this. Yeah, but who's going to comic shops now? I mean that's the sad reality of it. Very few people are. I think like my local comic shop was open for like limited hours on Saturday, but that's that's really all I all I know. You know what we should do? All the printers are closing. All like Diamond's not going to deliver any more new new comics after this week. Apparently our Walmart My understanding here, of it. Our Walmart our, our Walmart here is only allowing you to uh, buy one piece of like meat at a time. Oh man. Yeah. That Jesus Christ. Yeah, uh, if only we we had like a lot more like you know, or artistically driven people in, in the group. Uh, I'm not saying that there aren't, but you know, when it came to stuff like this, we, we should do something like, like, like Nintendo power or something on, on the website where you, you know, like we, we just have like random people in the group, like just do comics and we just post them up. That would be really cool. That'd be interesting. I have a story from a long time ago that I want to do with a friend uh, Kiona, I sent you the script for it a long time ago. Mary and Martin. It was like a oh, yeah, yeah, a really gory yeah. kind of thing. Mike, yeah. at some point, I'm going to send you the script because I think you'll love it. Like yeah. it, it would be yeah. so wild and crazy, and I don't know, it would just be something to hold everybody over with all this stuff. Just comics are shutting Things down. Are... Let's do our yeah. own comics. <laughs> we could finally do Jersey Devil, Crystal. You're right. I need to just start yeah. painting more. We need to do like a whole bunch of things, actually. We need to do some video content eventually, and maybe make this podcast kind of a kind of a Google Hangout sort of thing, or like a Skype sort of thing. I don't know. See if we can do that eventually. One thing both, that both Google people these does days have. use uh, Streamyard. Uh-uh. Streamyard. Okay, look into that. Well, one thing I saw is that Google has an extension called Netflix Party or something like that. Literally, it's just like a Google Hangout thing. You can put on like anything, and you can watch it, and like you can have people like in your in your Hangout like respond to it. It's kind of like the old That's version intriguing. of Netflix on on like older platforms, like the Xbox three hundred and sixty. You could like literally hang out in the theater and watch. Wow. Which, if Netflix was smart, they would bring that back right now. But I'm not Jeff Bezos. Is is he even the guy that's in charge of Netflix or is that Amazon? I think that's Amazon. That's Amazon. Oh god damn it. Netflix is that uh what's his name? Reed Hastings? Is that who it is? <laughs> to the keyboard. Reed Hastings, yep. 
<sighs> that is who it is. But yeah, what can you do? But seriously, creatives listening to this, I will listen to you. Send me your comics. We will. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure something out. Hopefully, I don't listen. Know. <laughs> I'm trying to create a call for for art, Crystal. <laughs> you think Rome was built in a in an hour? No, it was built in a day. Because that's how long it took to talk to everybody. Well, Renegade Pop Culture was built in about a month. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So we have covered a lot tonight. Um, and this is just basically all free form. So that was cool. So thank you guys for coming on the show and for co-hosting with me. And uh, let's do this again sometime very soon because we're all bored with the coronavirus thing going around. <laughs> very much so. We're all just washing our hands 24-7. Yeah, I've noticed that my hands are a lot drier. Yes. Yeah. Same. <laughs> so Same here. Along with washing your hands, make sure to moisturize. Moisturize, <laughs> yeah. You don't want those ashy <laughs> hands. Oh, my gosh. All right, guys, so let's give out our social media contacts, as we always do. Uh, Mike, you want to go first? Sure. You guys can find me on Twitter at CaptainK42. Uh, read my reviews on Letterboxd at CoachK42. And join the uh, Renegade Pop Culture Facebook group. And find me in all the other Facebook groups, just at my name. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Captain K, hell yeah. All right, and Josh and Crystal. Uh, well, as always, uh you can you can stalk my Twitter and watch me procrastinate at work at Joshua at JSH Lozano. Um you you can find me on Facebook at the at, at, at the group. Uh I am Joshua Lozano. You will identify me as sitting in a wheelchair despite me not needing a wheelchair. Um, Instagram, I think I'm, the, I'm Joshua Lozano 64, same as my uh, same as my PlayStation Plus membership, which is going to run out soon, so that's a terrible plug. Um, <laughs> and on the note, Somebody sent him a PlayStation Network membership. And on the note of <laughs> terrible plugs, if you want to... If you want to smash at some point and you got to switch. Um, oh, my God. I don't know my friend code. I just know my username. I'll 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 have I'll have Kiona added in the in, in the in the article Show notes. Just friend codes. Hell yeah. Just don't be surprised when my when you see my name and you're like, well, why'd you pick that? And for me, I finally have a Twitter. You can find me at simplyragu816, and that's pretty much all I got. Awesome. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at Keona Tang. That's K-E-O-N-A-T-A-N-G. And you can also find me on Instagram. Renegade Pop Culture is the name of the account. And on Facebook, I am Keona Tang, as usual. And you can also... Find our writings on renegadepopculture.com. Please visit the website. Please share it if you can. 
uh, and hopefully, you know, we'll have some more content up there for you in the near future. Um, all right, guys. So we have been going. This is our longest running podcast, actually, which is pretty cool. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. And it just, you know, and I wanted to do a short, like, one hour episode. And here we are approaching two hours. So that worked. Anyway, they say it's they say it's not the length. I would argue that it is. <laughs> all right. Oh, my God. So. Okay, guys, uh, we will talk to you soon, Renegades, and thank you for joining the movement. Thank you for all of your support. And we are not a cult. I am not Jared Leto. We are going home now. Actually, we are home. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. Good night. Bye. See ya.